This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Let's revisit uh, one of our top stories today. Yesterday, BC's housing minister released the names of 10 municipalities uh, that'll be required to hit, to hit um, yet-to-be-established targets on new home construction, often referred to this as the uh, housing naughty list. Now, the um, minister and the government are using a carrot-and-stick approach, the carrot being, of course, that if you meet those targets, uh, you'll have access to provincial cash, perhaps uh, for parks and bike lanes and rec centres and other amenities. And if you don't meet those targets, well, potentially um, the province would overrule um, uh, your decisions and have the power to rezone entire neighborhoods uh, to create more density. Of course, um, municipalities, as all of you know, are are created by the provincial government. It is the senior level of government. Now, Housing Minister Ravi Kailan, when he made the decision, said the, there is a need to cut red tape. Take a listen. Simply put, housing supply cannot keep up with the demand. Our government is determined to change that. We're taking action with our partners to cut red tape and get homes built faster for people. Last November, we introduced the Housing Supply Act, historic new legislation to help deliver more homes for British Columbians faster. This provides government with the authority to set housing targets in municipalities with the greatest needs uh, with the highest projected growth. Our aim is to make it easier for municipalities to approve projects quickly. Now, those 10 municipalities that were uh, on the initial list, Saanich, Victoria, Oak Bay, Abbotsford, Kamloops, Port Moody, Vancouver, and the districts of North Vancouver and West Vancouver, and Delta. Now, uh, Delta City Councillor Dylan Kruger was on the show at 4 o'clock. He said, basically, they're taking this list and being on this list as a catalyst to drive for greater density, more housing, and the community needs it. Uh, And his slate won a a significant majority, uh, and uh, they plan to move forward and do what they think needs to be done, which is new housing. And Mr. Uh, uh, Kruger is in his late 20s, so he's of that generation that uh, desperately needs more. Said needs more housing for that for, for for young people, and he says that. Now, earlier today, Mike Little, the mayor of the district of North Vancouver, also on that list, uh, talked about the need for new infrastructure and focusing on that rather than asking municipalities like his to build more housing. Take a listen. We have 200,000 people on the North Shore, and we have uh, the same number of lanes serving our community since 1968. So we have a major deficit in terms of provincial infrastructure supporting our community. And uh, if this is a platform for us to get those issues addressed in partnership with developing new housing, then this will be a good thing. Uh, But if it's just simply a matter of producing more units without the infrastructure to support them, this could be quite uh, quite disastrous for our community. That is Mike Little, Mayor of District of North Vancouver. Joining us now to talk about uh, the new plan is Tom Davidoff, Director of UBC Centre for Urban Economics and Real Estate. Tom, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm sorry to keep you waiting with that long introduction, but I did want to sort of set the play a little bit in regards to who we've talked to and what they've been saying. First of all, your thoughts on overall in regards to this plan that the government announced and this sort of naughty list, as we call it, for housing. Your overall thoughts on what they're trying to do. Well, I'm really happy because we've seen it at the federal level a bit, but here the province really is recognizing uh, that municipalities 
don't just affect affordability and amenity in their own jurisdiction when they make decisions. They affect affordability throughout the province. So, you know, a city councilor says, geez, do I want to deal with angry NIMBYs or do I want to get reelected? And you know what they're going to do, and that's what's been going on for many, many years. Uh, there's no reason for a city councilor to think about the impact of affordability elsewhere in the province, but the province does need to recognize that. And exactly as you say, jurisdictions are creatures of the province, so it's completely appropriate for the province to rein in some of their power uh, to make uh, land use decisions by themselves. Uh, do you think the province uh, can uh, at times come in with the stick. I know they said they can potentially, they'll work with the municipalities. But when I listen to the mayor, uh, mayor of the District of North Vancouver, Mike Little, uh, doesn't seem like he's convinced, number one, and it all sounds well and good on day one or day two. But when you're six months, eight months into this, and the, and the district hasn't moved on some of these numbers, it does require uh, a big footing by Victoria. Do you, do you think we're going to have to go there with some of these municipalities? I don't know. And and first of all, just I want to respond to something he said, which Mm -hmm. I find somewhat amusing. And uh, I really have encouraged uh, the province to look at prices when you think about where there's a need for housing, because price is a really good measure of need. You know, Mayor Little says, well, you know, we we don't have enough lanes going in, so it's just a traffic hellhole and you can't build any more homes. But, you know, that's belied by the fact that there's really high prices in the District of North Vancouver. People really want to live there, and we should have housing types that reflect really strong demand for the district. You know, if if it starts to get too much, the traffic prices will come down. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in terms of, you know, will it be effective? I don't know. You know, I don't know if the North Van and West Van districts are going to start to say, yeah, you know what, you're right. (laughs) We really do need multiple multifamily housing and affordability here, not just really high amenity, uh, low density single family areas that are great for the incumbents, but lousy for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I just don't know if they'll believe it's a credible threat uh, from the province to uh, come in. I mean, I'd love to see, and I don't know if it's legal given British properties, you know, legality, but suppose they came and said, that's it, you can build 20 story apartments in uh, the British properties. Uh, that would be uh, fantastic <laughs> in my view. That would uh, really uh, get, get other municipalities' attention. So, We'll see. Yeah. Um, t- talk to me a little bit about Ontario. I don't know how close you follow it there. We've done a few stories from Ontario, talking to journalists there. Uh, it almost seems like they're leading the way in, in, in regards to the provincial government stepping in, saying, you got to start hitting your tar- targets, municipality. And, and the layout's a little different over there politically, but they're pushing hard too. And it's a conservative government there. It is. That's correct. Uh, Toronto has put in credible, uh, I guess, ceilings are floors on how low, how restrictive uh, zoning can be. It's early days there. There was a recent study on uh, Auckland, New Zealand, which is an area not unlike Vancouver, high amenities, super high prices, uh, where they've forbidden local jurisdictions from putting in uh, controls that are too strict. So now you can build fourplex, sixplex type housing uh, anywhere there. And uh, it seems like rents have come down. So, you know, mm-hmm. I think this sort of stuff uh, has... has At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. 
Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Has potential. What do you say to those arguments that those who say, look, if you put 40 units on a traditional single family lot where, where it's, you're able to do so, that practically speaking, it's very difficult to do because of the, 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 just the infrastructure that's required, the, the, the piping, the sewer, all of that. And then add to that the parking challenges and that practically this is not sellable uh, to what are generally single family neighborhoods. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of pushback to that type of development. What do you say to that argument? Well, a couple of things. First of all, I think you're 100% correct that there'll be pushback. And I bet, like Dylan Kruger, and probably on the North Shore as well, there's lots of progressive-minded politicians who would like uh, to allow more density, but there will be some amenity loss. There will be more challenges parking. And uh, you can't tell people, well, look, you know, if housing, you know, people should get homes before cars do. I think that's true. But you can't tell voters that who, who are accustomed to a certain style of living. And the beauty is now these politicians can say, look, I'm being as much of a NIMBY as I'm allowed to be. But the province is cramming this down our throat. So, you know, you know, make your make your anger uh, felt in the provincial election. Mm-hmm. So the province, I think, is going to run interference uh, in that way. Now, uh, you mentioned infrastructure. And there, I think it's important that there could be a creative solution. So in the city of Vancouver, I know that there are concerns about uh, groundwater runoff. When you put too much impermeable building surface on a lot, maybe that'll flood our streets. So we might need to thicken pipes. We need to may need to put more heavy electricity in. And the answer there is I think the province probably should uh, be a leader and say, okay, we're going to uh, put in the infrastructure, but either through property taxes or development charges – as people build one by one, they contribute to this, and uh, eventually we fund the infrastructure. That's that's something with tax increment financing that's done all the time. Mm-hmm. And I do think there is a role for uh, the province, because what you can't do is tell everybody, well, the first guy in has to build pipes out for, you know, 250 meters, because uh, that makes the cost prohibitive. Uh- now, this is a broader question, but culturally, uh, I mean, if we had this conversation 20 years ago, uh, I don't think uh, people would be talking about townhouses and condos as we are today, the missing middle. I recall about six months ago, I, I opened the lines with a very simple theory that, you know, I should, as a t- uh, well-compensated talk show host, shouldn't get the homeowner's grant. It's ridiculous. It's yes. it's great politics, bad policy. Well, I opened the lines, got my head taken off <laughs> very quickly by uh, our, our listeners, uh, home owners that they are, um, have, has, have things changed enough culturally where uh, not just millennials, but Gen Xers mm-hmm. and baby boomers are saying, you know what, we have to get to that point where there has to be greater density. We have to look at housing differently. It's not that traditional way where you, you get a job, you buy yourself a single family home with a barbecue in the backyard. This is a different time, a different city. Uh, we have to look at housing differently. Have we made that cultural shift or do you think we're still in the midst of that conversation? Well, I certainly agree with you. You know, you got to have a heck of a job to afford single family detached these days, right? Mm -hmm. So um, unless you're inheriting it from your parents, unless your parents were able to give you just incredible uh, intellectual capacity so that you can have just an A plus job making and and maybe a love for money instead of whatever else uh, social interest, right? You got (laughs) to really, really want to green to uh, to afford single family. Most of the income distribution, absent parental help, just can't do it. 
it's got to be townhome. It's got to be apartment, uh, hopefully, a, you know, a decently sized apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, is that where we are politically? I think NIMBYism obviously is, is still a force. But I mean, listen to city council hearings. I Like you say, you know, go back 10 five years even, I think you could go to a city council hearing and say, you know, my neighborhood's beautiful. We don't want renters ruining it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're uh, transitory and not our kind of people. I think you could have gotten away with saying that some number of years ago. I think, you know, at least in the hearings I've heard, uh, that that would just be out of the question these days. So I think things have changed politically uh, because of the reality on the ground. And I think there are parents who say, yeah, it's great. I could afford my house, but, you know, I'm, I'm now I'm worried for my kids. So, you know, I, I don't want to be overly optimistic uh, about the politics of this, but I, I think it certainly has changed. And as prices grow, I think politics will follow the market. Yeah. Tom, thank you so much for your time. Really enjoy our conversation. Look forward to having you on soon. Total pleasure, Jess. Thank you very much.